Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. We've done so many podcasts about how we never learn our lesson. It's like, it's a broken record. This is us learning our lesson right now, right here. <laughs> but we're, we have to be doing something right, you know? Yeah. I feel like we're doing something right. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I listened to um, I listened to one we did last week, uh, yesterday. And I was like, man, it's, I feel like it's pretty good. Like, I, I mean, again, I don't know if anybody's listening, but me listening to me, I'm interested in what I have to say. Well, And that's what I was going to ask you. Let me ask you this. Let's say there was no podcast. Let's say it was just kind of what we started doing in the beginning, just recording our conversations because we were talking a lot about business and jujitsu. Yeah. And we wanted to be able to go back and, and, and think about the ideas. Yeah. Are you getting, when you re-listen to it, are you getting, are you truly getting value from it? I am. I am. That's all. Then man, that is all, to me, that's all that matters. Yeah. And the good thing too, is because my, um, my memory is so terrible. I'm like, Ooh, that's pretty good. And then every once in a while, I'm like, I should say this next. And then I do. I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in sync. I'm in sync with me. There you go. Um, yeah. Cause I think that's the thing, right? Like it's never intended to make any money. It was more about, I mean, I'll tell you for me what it was about. It was about just being a better version of myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And in life and business and jujitsu, which is why we started the jujitsu of life. Right. Cause that's kind of what the podcast is supposed to be about. Yeah. Uh, being a be- better version of yourself in all those areas and, and finding that balance. Um, and I don't, man, I tell you, this has helped me a lot. These conversations have helped me a lot um, in terms of setting a plan on, okay, I think I know what I want to try to do next. And I'm not sure if this is the path, but this is, I'm going to walk down this road for a little bit until I can determine whether or not it is the path. And when, when, if we figure out that it is, then great. And if it's not, then we continue to have these conversations, but it's yeah. about getting, I don't know, man, if you don't have the peers to talk to, yeah, then it's hard, I think, to get better sometimes. It is. It is. I think it's... Um, like jujitsu, right? Like, how can you get better without training partners? That's the thing. I mean, I think that's kind of maybe, maybe that's like life. You need training partners. Much more, I think, than, than coaches. Um, I mean, it's good to have some guidance from expertise, but the vast majority of learning at least in jujitsu that I think you're going to learn from is, is your training partners, um, much more so than, than whatever coach. And I've seen that sort of hold true through 25, 20, more than 25 years of doing this stuff in different places too. I mean, multiple schools, multiple States, it, it sort of always stayed the same. And I think with, um, you know, kind of business and investing and things like that, I also think it matters to, have not necessarily business partners, but I mean, the idea of people that are doing business type things that you can bounce ideas off of. And, and, and there's different people that serve different purposes. I mean, some people, it's literally just sort of, you come up with some ideas, you tell them, you take, you take a look at their face and kind of see like, okay, is there something there? There's not. I mean, I got a buddy in LA, a guy I went to high school with where, um, you know, I'll just throw out different ideas because he's, kind of a he's a lawyer so he's a deal killer but that's okay because you want people that are going to be super cynical about stuff 
when you throw ideas out there. Um, you know, somebody like you, I think you you and I are much more enthusiastic about any idea because it's like <laughs> you see the possibility, yeah, which yeah. is good, but you need both. You need the enthusiasm because, I mean, if, if somebody's just going to piss over everything, to me, it's like then it's then it's no fun. And if it's no fun, then it's like, all right, well, why am I doing this? Um, at the same time, having somebody who is very skeptical, I think is good also. And this comes down to you you have this in, in jiu-jitsu. You have training partners that you can try stuff with and, and maybe, you know, it's kind of a little bit back and forth. You have other people that just crush your dreams, crush your soul, crush your body, but you need both. And then you need people where you can do stuff too as well. Like you kind of need those three different types of training partners because if you just have one, it skews you off in one direction. If you have one where you can just do stuff to, well, you start getting false confidence. So it's like that's exactly what I was going to say. You 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 have this false sense of reality. So you really need all those kind of things in your life. Um, that's why I like jujitsu because it is so applicable to other areas of life. And it's funny, man, because the last really this this year, I've been doing a lot more life than jiu-jitsu i've done very very little jiu-jitsu over the last couple of months i've done it like three times in probably two months and you know i don't think i'm going to be training until sometime in may just kind of getting over the covid still but the lessons in jiu-jitsu continue on even if i never train again it's like still the idea of having those different people to get feedback from because that's really what train, training partners are they're giving you feedback so you get better um you know, I feel that way in real estate. I mean, so in other words, I've got a broker that I use who he's not a deal killer, but he, he's so familiar with everything that he can immediately like, I'm like, oh, this looks like a good property. He's like, oh yeah, no, I, I had that. I had that listing for three years. I tried to sell it for three years, but it's in the floodplain and it's part of this, you know, the 35 overlay. So it needs all these different things. And it's like, they've actually been trying to sell that property for 15 years. I just had the listing for three. Like, I never would have known that. I would have been like, oh, it's great properties, right? You know, I mean, so it would have been too much enthusiasm. Um, you know, having those different people on board, that's what you need. I mean, because to me, to try and go at it completely alone, completely solo, that's where you're going to end up doing super naive, bad deals. I mean, it's not to say that you don't want to dream and don't want to sort of work towards bigger things, but you really do need to know the lay of the land and who owns what and um, know the story behind these things, because that's going to help you a lot more. And having somebody who knows the story, that's a great training partner, business partner, whatever you want to say to have. So, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, man, I think this analogy actually holds holds up pretty well, um, because to, to sort of. Um, you know, I want to go back to something really quick, though. Before we, because you said something interesting, mm. and it may it may have been just off the cuff, but do you value training partners more than you value coaches? Yeah, and I was gonna say yes, I do, because I was thinking about that. Um, and does that apply? Do you think that applies to jujitsu as well? Like the yeah. example I would give is, do you think Gordon Ryan would say he values his training partners more than he values, let's say, John Danaher? No, I don't think Gordon would, um, because specifically I've heard him say that, but he is a rare exception. And even he, um, it's hard to tell, is he being completely honest with himself? Um, the reason I say that is you listen to half the guys who are on the B team now, and they all basically said, we split because of drama that we didn't want. 
and we were basically sort of learning more from each other anyway. And we had sort of our own way of we wanted to do stuff. So that's where those guys have gone. And you look at Abu Dhabi and different things that have happened, the Abu Dhabi trials and all that. Those guys have done really well. I mean, uh, was it J-Rod won his division? I mean, like they're doing well, they're going to be competing. So it's so it's not like they've, you know, went off of their own and now it's been a total disaster. I think most jujitsu guys, again, most of the ones I've met, much more training partners than coaches. That's why I have such a hard time with the idea of like lineage and people are like, oh, it's so important. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not at all. Like that's just, that's bullshit. I mean, that's just something people say, um, I think to try and give themselves like sort of false credentials or false respect. It's like, it comes down to who are you training with and and are you putting yourself in a situation where you're challenged, where you get a lot of different looks, where you get people that give you honest feedback. And again, do you have people that you can do better than you have people that challenge you and they have people that smash you. I mean, if you have those three different types of training partners and you're getting enough looks, I really think that's all you need to, to progress. And we're seeing this throughout the world too. You're seeing this in places like Europe and stuff like that, where there may not be big name instructors, but you're starting to have some really high level competitors. And you see this in the US. I mean, the Daisy Fresh guys are a great example of like the Heath Pettigrew guy. I mean, like, I'm sure he's good, but he wasn't like a top tier competitor, but he's created an environment, a very competitive environment with a lot of young people who want to do well, who are literally living in the gym. And now these guys are starting to compete at the highest level and doing well. And they don't have like some super cool lineage or whatever like that. It's just they created the environment. They created the training partners. So, um, so yeah, I think it's much more important in jiu-jitsu. And I think in life, I, I agree with it too, in terms of, I guess it depends on what we're saying is a teacher. Are we saying it's, you know, getting a certain education or, or college degree? Um, I definitely think the quote unquote training partner situation is much more important than the degree. Like, I, I don't think a degree is particularly necessary for, for business success. Um, you can certainly have mentors and things like that, but they don't necessarily have to be people you ever meet. I mean, I think I've learned a lot and I know you've learned a lot from Tom McKay. I mean, I still have never met him. Um, I actually know one of the uh, shopping centers that he owns because he showed it and I just literally driven by it recently. So every once in a while, I'm like, I feel like I should drive by and maybe I'll run into him. But I'm like, that seems kind of creepy. And there's no, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I've learned plenty from reading his books and watching his videos. So the idea of, meeting in person. It's like, eh, I don't know if that necessarily. Charlie means. Munger says that a lot about making friends with the imminent dead and how you're a lot of his mentors, uh, were never even alive during yeah. his time, like Benjamin yeah. Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Munger's, Munger's another great example of that. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I, I a hundred percent agree too. When you really think about it, when you talk about putting too much stock in lineage, yeah. Because then if you don't come from a great lineage, you're basically telling yourself that you can't be good at jujitsu. Yeah. And in the business, and I think in the world of business, it's like, okay, well, if you don't have great mentors or if you didn't come from a family that can provide you with capital right off the bat, does that mean you can't change the trajectory of your life uh, financially? And the answer to that question is, is no, because I, because, you know, I've done it right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, because at some point you make your own lineage, yeah. right? Like the Daisy yeah. Fresh guys, they're making their own lineage. That's a great way of saying it. And I think that's, that is, I think the most important thing because, you know, sure, 
having capital up front or having um because it, it's not to say like i mean when you look at uh, the elon musk of the world the bill gates and warren buffett's those guys are probably way 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 smarter than the average person i mean there, there's definitely like there's people who have an innate skill and entrepreneurship i mean and, and most of the time that comes through at a very early age like the, the the thing that you sent me the other day the guy was talking about how he's like oh i was in middle school and i was doing this and i, I mean like guys who are making money like right away and i'm seeing that actually with one of my my goddaughters she's 10 and she's already um walking dogs she's doing um little art decorations on stickers and selling them to her friends and then she has her own etsy page where she does all this stuff and sells it to people all over the country and Dude, she's that's fantastic she's 10 and she's already talking about like oh i want to get this lego thing and it's 350 bucks so i got to save up this much money and you know that's I, I didn't have that understanding at 10. i mean like so you know there, there's definitely people that are that are good entrepreneurs from the beginning and i think most of the people that become the billionaires of the world show an aptitude from an early age i mean there's not too many people that like oh he was a total screw up until he was 30 and then all of a sudden he would it's like you read warren buffett's thing i mean by the time he's in high school he's making more money than his teachers like he's already got his paper routes and he's got all these people that these kids that work for him and all like he was that way from the beginning um but just because you can't necessarily become a billionaire because i think that's kind of out of reach for most people doesn't mean that you can't become a millionaire, which I think is in reach for most people, at least in the U.S. I love and that. It, to me, it's always about one of these things where it's like, okay, let's take jiu-jitsu again. Most people that do jiu-jitsu will never become world champions. I would say 99.9% .9 of the people that start will never become a world champion. But it doesn't mean that you can't become really good. It doesn't mean that you can't become a black belt. It doesn't mean that you can't become many, many times, like just infinitely better than you were when you started and that's i think the important thing to think about is 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 always you know you're comparing yourself to yourself and when it comes to business and things like that um to me unless it's a very specialized circumstance the idea of like oh i've got to go to business school i've got to do this i've got to do all these get all these credentials before i actually start something it's like i, I kind of think it's better you know your, your time is better spent starting the something like I, I was thinking about that a lot today, about what you were saying about getting all the credentials, getting advanced education, and wanting to do a video specifically about for the know your exit stuff, about that being an advanced form of procrastination. Yeah, it is. It is. It's funny because I remember when I was starting real estate, my dad, who was, you know, my dad had, a, had an MBA and he had a master's in um, engineering. And he's like, well, are you going to go to business school? And I was like, why <laughs> like i mean to me it was like just because i was like why am i going to spend like i don't even know how much business school costs probably hundreds of thousands of bucks number one number two i probably wouldn't get into any business school and number three it's like to me it's like you're just putting off doing business for a couple of years by going to business school um again it's not to say that there's not a lot of successful people that do that but to me we're not really talking to those people because they probably wouldn't be listening to us to begin with you know what i mean it's like the people that are already on that path and I've met them. I mean, I've met people when, you know, again, people I knew, my buddy from high school, he had almost everything figured out by like 10th grade. He's like, oh, I'm going to do this kind of math and I'm going to take this AP test because I don't want to take math in college and I'm going to go here and I'm going to become a lawyer and I'm going to do like, he had everything figured out and he did it. I had nothing figured out. Like to me, it's like the, the people that have this stuff figured out, it's like, 
good for you. Go on to greatness. That's awesome. But to me, it's like we're 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 more talking to the maybe the stragglers or the people that have struggled a little bit more, the ones who are tr- trying to figure out their footing and, you know, maybe they're a little bit older, maybe they've got some other things. It's like, those are the people I'm talking to. Cause it's like, I'm not talking to the young 22 year old black belt who's just won the Abu Dhabi. They're not going to listen to me and they shouldn't listen to me when it comes to jiu-jitsu. They know way more about it than I do, but I'm talking to the guy who's, you know, twice that dude's age, who's got a lot of other stuff going on. Who's like, I'd still like to get better at this, but I don't want to do this full time and I can't, and I've got injuries and I've got this and that. It's like, well, you're my guy. That's who I'm talking to. So yeah, that's, I mean, to me, it's the the prodigies of the world, the people that go into business school. It's like, again, I think there's a lot of value to that, but I don't think it's a requirement. Just like when we talk about lineage, it's like, yeah, I've trained at some quote unquote bigger name schools. And a lot of those guys were really good, but I don't think they were necessarily much better than ones where there's much less of an impressive lineage. And there's certainly people I've trained with at lower impressive lineages that are way, way, way better than the people from the the really good lineage. So it's, it, it, you know, to me, it's not, it's not necessary. How do you choose the great training partners in business? That is a great question. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually, about my slacking on networking that's happened. I'll, I'll blame COVID, not not me having COVID, just COVID in general, but that's not a good Can excuse. Can I say something on that real quick? So <clears throat> yeah. I used to get a, a, on myself a lot about that because I have a tendency to judge my success based off what other people are doing sometimes, right? So in other words, uh, John comes by and says, oh, I'm going to California and New York and I'm networking with all these people and I'm meeting all these people and I'm thinking, wow, I'm not doing any of that. I'm really falling behind. Yeah. But now I'm cutting myself some slack on that because I understand that everybody kind of has a different path that they're going to take to get to where they are going. I'm much more of a believer of attracting those people to me. In other words, that I'm going to run into them organically without trying. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just a way to cop out from having to do anything and just being lazy, but I've found that it works. And I, what I find is that it has worked for me. And what I find is that it's not necessarily bringing me quantity, but yeah. the one or two people that I have in my life, in my business circle are definitely quality. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's much more important, the quality versus quantity. Um, and I think, you know, I definitely think you're right in terms of, you know, depending on where you're poking around and what kind of thing you're going to do. You're going to meet the right people. I mean, when I was doing a lot of stuff in Canyon Lake, because I was looking at a lot of stuff, um, that's how I met um, John. And so, you know, I mean, that that's that turned out to be like such a great um, source of information. He made me a lot of money. I made him a decent amount of money. I mean, like it turned into a great sort of working relationship. And, um, you know, that that wasn't intentional per se. That was just kind of putting myself out there and being in the spot. So I think when it comes to like, to me, I've never had great success doing things that were just for networking. Like I've met a lot of people doing that, some of whom I'm still friendly with, but it certainly never made me any money. So like a lot of times in real estate, they're like, oh, go to the uh, real estate meetups. And it's like, I've gone to tons of those things. I've never made a dime from them. I've never made a contact that was worth a damn. Like versus, you know, let's say you want to get into, you know, some sort of commercial property or, um, you know, something like that. Well, 
find out things that are for sale, call up the broker, talk to them, see if you can meet them, see if you can look at the property. That's the best way to network. And you can just tell people up front, like, listen, I, I'm I'm not looking to buy yet, or I'm still getting to know the market, or, you know, something to set the expectations to a certain degree. But it's like, that's the way you start meeting people. You meet the people that are actually doing the thing, doing the thing, looking at the thing. Hey, when you talk to the broker, do you know any bankers that you recommend, guys that you work with? They introduce it. Like, so to me, that's the way to, to do it. Like, that's the way to really do it is to get out there in the world of whatever world you want to get into and start meeting the people that are doing it versus like, yeah, I guess you can meet that broker at some meetup thing. But it's like, first of all, they're in the mode of like, everybody wants something from me. And it just seems like, to me, those things were always about selling something else. They were about selling a mentorship or they were like, you should, you know, do my deal. And say so it, it was, it was always the, the motives were always a little bit sketchy to me versus when you're looking at a property, it's like the motives are very clear. It's like, I'm looking to sell this thing. Or are you looking to buy this thing? And it's like, so that, that to me is the way I would recommend somebody. I do. always hated I, that. I hated that sales pitch, right? Where, and they're very good at it too, where they build you up, build you up, build you up, you're super hyped and excited. Yeah. And then right at the end, when you think that that final slide, they're about to show you the, the, the magic sauce, how you, yeah. how you make it happen, how you pull it all together. And they say, you want to learn how to do it? Sign up here. Yeah. And, it's, here. Right. and it just takes the, it takes the wind out of you because yeah then they don't stop selling. You actually go through this sales funnel where there's all these, you know, uh, you can upgrade to all these different options and you always just, just to get through the next door, you got to pay to get to it. And, and for someone that, I don't know, that doesn't, that I think there's maybe some people out there that that's worked for, but the reality of it is that's just another way of, that's just another analogy for business school, right? That's all they're doing is they're, they're selling you something when in reality, there's a difference between learning about jujitsu and then doing jujitsu. Yeah. There's a difference between learning about business yeah. and then doing business. Yeah. And I, and the reason I was going to talk about this on know your exits is because I was going to talk about the advanced forms of procrastination and about how when you're in the academy, there's a difference between learning to be a police officer and then actually becoming a police officer. Yeah. And what I can tell you firsthand is where you really learn to become a police officer is once you start doing police work, yeah. right? That's where the real learning begins because you learn through trial and error. You learn to develop your own sense of style on how you interview and how you investigate and all those types of things. And I think that's the same for jujitsu. Yeah. Like you really start learning once you do jujitsu. And yeah. so I agree with you. I think having the right training partners will, will, will cause you to progress. And I definitely 100% know that this is true for business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because it's there's like, no book that's going to teach you about business the way just doing business will teach you about business. Not. And I mean, it's it's one of those things that one thing I like about doing sort of warehouse and industrial and stuff like that is there's there's like way less. I, I don't think there's any like mentorship groups. There's no like because when I was doing apartment stuff, it was like, God, that was this whole stupid industry of all these people trying to get investors money and creating their own groups so that they would, you know, sort of create their own lead funnels and stuff like that. And and good for them. I mean, I'm sure the people at the top, they were making a lot of money and I still get emails about the deals that they're, they've got coming up and blah, blah, blah. But in terms of like, for me being like, no, I don't want to be part of your group. I want to learn. I want to decide whether I want to do this or not. I don't want to be joining, you know, this kind of thing. Um, it was, sort of disheartening because I didn't get into real estate to be like 
I don't want to say part of a team, but part of that kind of team. Like they just weren't really my kind of people. And I'm like, I, I don't, this is not when I did it. But with industrial stuff, it's like, there's none of that. I mean, now it, granted, I mean, like I'm newer to it and it's still like big learning curve and all that. But in terms of, you know, being able to meet brokers and meet people that are doing it, it's vastly easier. And, you know, I've been able to do that through different parts of Texas and kind of make some good contacts and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, um, like you said, I mean, you you learn more by doing. And I think one of the cool things about doing, again, I'll just take something like real estate, is there's so many different ways to make money in real estate. And there's so many different types that you can try different stuff. And I probably tried more than most and find things that fit for where you're at at that moment. And you and I have talked about it where like mobile homes, it's like what I loved about mobile homes is there was no middleman. So you would meet with the seller directly, not with a broker, not with whoever, but the seller. And then when you turn around and sell it, you'd meet with the buyer directly. So you got great experience looking at properties, talking to people, negotiating on how to buy something. And then you also had good experience in terms of fixing something up, so dealing with contractors, and then selling a property, so dealing with a buyer and figuring out, you know, sometimes selling on terms, sometimes selling on cash. So you got all these different experiences directly. And depending on where you're at in your career, I mean, this can be a great learning tool. And you may not always want to do that, and it may not be practical. Like, I mean, for me to reach out to, you know, a guy who owns a big warehouse or whatever, it's like, maybe, but it's probably better if I get my broker to do it, because it's just, that's kind of how it's done in that world. But the idea of like, well, he said this, okay, why don't we try this? Like, that comes from the experience of negotiating all those mobile home deals. So it's, you know, to me, it's it, it can be the the different training scenarios because if you look at business and negotiating as training like being on the mat being in the ring um those different training scenarios well they come out in the negotiation or the actual deal which could be the competition or the fight if you want to look at it that way and that sort of analogy of, of you know it's like you were probably most confident going to the ring when you knew you had trained and prepared correctly so when you're going to negotiate on something the more you've trained which Again, using real estate, you know, if I really know the value of something, I'm 100% sure I know what I could sell something for. Well, now I can really negotiate well because I know the, the limit of what I can pay for it and, and, you know, sort of how to do the dance and everything like that because I know very, very confidently what this thing is worth to me. That's preparation. That's preparation and all, you know, knowing your market, talking to your buyers, finding the right thing, doing all that. The actual negotiation, well, that's the fight. So the, you know, knowing the market, well, maybe that's doing your road work, um, you know, finding the right property. Well, maybe that's hitting mitts and in the back, you know, finding the, you know, the right broker. Well, maybe that's doing your right sparring, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. However analogy you want to use it. Um, that I think is so much more important than like, oh, I took this guy's course or I did this. Like none of that matters when it comes to the actual deal and when it comes to the actual fight. So um, I think that the reason you know, well, number one, there's such a big market for like the mentorship market, the the influencer, the guru market, whatever. That's a, that's a huge business. I would I would argue that business is probably bigger many times than what they're actually teaching about. Like I think the guys that are teaching apartment stuff are making more money teaching than they are actually making from apartments. Yeah, so, and I don't think, you know, I I can't say that I that I know that for sure, but I almost get the vibe that they're not really actually investing at all they're just teaching you how to invest yeah which is always kind of sketchy to me because it's like 
if what you're teaching me is so fantastic, then why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you just doing it? Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's always the dilemma because you start looking at the amount of money and not just the money, but the um, hero factor that some of these guys get. And it's like, man, that's got to be, you know, that's, that's probably hard for them to turn it down, especially the ones that sort of time things correctly. So, um, you know, but I mean, to me, it's like when you're talking about the rest of us, the people who don't necessarily want to be that person or that's not an option or whatever. It's like, well, if you want to be sort of your own independent, have your own pirate ship, it's much more important who you're training with. It's much more important um, understanding that part of the business versus like, oh, I just have to listen to this other person. Now, it's it's like we've talked about. I mean, this is it's more intensive. I mean, it's, it's more work to do it this way, but you have a type of autonomy you know, type of independence that you will not have if you're dependent on, you know, I just do whatever the instructor tells me. I just do what, okay. I mean, there's people that are like that, but I just was never that guy. And to me, it's like, at a certain point, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not that person. So how do I maximize the type of person that I am? And then I realized I'm like, well, a lot of the people I'm around are not that kind of person either. I mean, that that's like, I think that's kind of saying what you're saying. It's like, it just sort of happens like i'm thinking about like how did i end up with the training partners i ended up with it's like well you know i think about like you know i came back to texas and kevin was like man let's get in the ring and box a little bit i'm like i don't want to box he's like no no, no. Said, it'll, be, it'll be fine we do a little bit he's like oh man you you were a little more of a beginner than i thought well you should meet my friend mo and i'm like i don't want to meet mo and he's like no no he's a good person <laughs> and you know i just sort of it went from this to this. And it was like, then uh, Jeff was like, man, there's this guy, Colby, I've been training with. Oh man. Like he's like a 250 pound freight train, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, okay. Like, I mean, so it just sort of people that I knew talked about other people. And then it was like, you know, with Colby, it's like my buddy, John Haynes is moving out to Texas. So we started training with John. And then Brandon was kind of hanging out watching Kevin and I train being like, you know, if you guys ever want to work on kicks, you know, just let me know. Like, but he wasn't, but he was nice about it, respectful about it. So I'm like, okay, I like this guy. And then, so it just, you know, all the training partners we have, it was sort of this process of like, are they my kind of person? Are they somebody who we can learn from? Are they, you know, I mean, like it kind of goes through all these different steps. And is it like, to me, the most important thing is, do I like them? Because to me, it's like, if I don't like them, I don't care. Like, I don't I care. I love that. Naval says something uh, about that. And he says, you know, if I can't, and it's more along the lines of integrity. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it also has to do with chemistry, in my opinion, where he says, if I can't see myself doing b business with a person for 20 years, I won't do business with them for one day. Yeah. And I yeah. think that has a lot to do with just character. And, and, and if you like the person, if you get along with them, obviously, it has to do with integrity and whether or not you can trust that person. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. And I agree with what he said there. Um, to, that's a, I think chemistry is super important because if you can't stomach the person, right, like, yeah. How are you ever going to learn from that person or, or collaborate on things? Yeah. And it's funny. Cause so like, okay, I'll tell you, like I've met some brokers along the way where I met this one guy and we looked at a bunch of stuff probably about three, three or four years ago at this point, just kind of right when I was getting into commercial property. And I just remember like, he was such a, he was nice enough, but he's one of those like energy suck people where you're just like, Oh, and I remember him being like, Hey, well, you know, you want to grab a bite and keep talking. I'm just like, no, no, I need, I need to go or whatever. And I was like, I, I don't care what this guy knows. I don't care whatever, like his energy is dragging me down so much that I want nothing to do with him. I just don't care. Like it's, it's just one of those things where that stuff matters. Um, you know, 
it's it's and to me the important thing is that you're honest with yourself because i mean there can be you know you might throw yourself in the wrong direction being like oh i really like this guy he's just like me and it's like well that might not be good because you might both go off the rails so it's like you sort of need a little bit of a balance where there's like something in common but but you're going to balance out each other well but but you know however you want to say it you can say it all hippie like vibing with somebody or however you want to kind of present it i think that's really important and I think that's something that's not necessarily talked about very much, but it's like, again, if you're looking to do long-term things with somebody, you need to get along with them. You need to have things in common. You need to have, you need to vibe well with them or whatever you want to say. Otherwise, it's like, you're, you're not going to last. And again, I've, I've, I've done business with a lot of people where it's like, I have no idea what they're doing now because it's like somewhere along the way, I'm like, I just don't want to be around this person anymore. And that's that's true for like contractors. I mean, if anybody's in you know working construction at all, contractors are a bunch of lunatics. This is true. Anybody's a contractor, hired one or whatever, knows this to be true. And it's like there's some that I have still have great relationships with, and there's others where it's like, yeah, he does great work, but he's such a lunatic that I just at a certain point that that lunacy overshadowed whatever good work he was going to do, and it's just that's it. I can't deal with this guy anymore. And that's that's sort of the nature of these things of, of long-term business that there has to be the personalities have to match. And I think that's a good, um, I think that's great advice to give also when people ask the question, how do I choose a jujitsu school? Yes. One of the I, first things that I'll say is I'll talk about proximity yeah. because just as we approach our advanced years, it becomes much easier to train the more convenient it is to train. Right. Yeah. But after that, it's all about, am I vibing with the people that are at that school? Yeah. What type of energy are they bringing? And do I, like you said, do I vibe with that energy? Do I like that type of energy? Yeah. You know, is it a bunch of young guys that all want to win ADCC? That may not be for me. That's, that's great energy for the right person, but it's not great energy for me because I'm not that guy, right? Um, so uh, I think that that's just, when you're in business, you're in the relationship business. Yeah. And relationship by its very definition, implies uh, length of time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so deciding whether you're going to do business with someone, deciding whether or not you're going to train with someone, deciding whether or not you're going to marry someone, yeah. you have to be able to see yourself vibing with that person for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's funny. I remember when I was uh, getting into the apartment stuff and I met with one of the guys who I ended up doing a deal with. Um, and it was a good deal. Deal's actually finished already, gone full cycle, as they say. But I remember it was uh, it was probably right around this time because I know that the I don't know why I know this, but I think the U.S. Open golf thing just happened recently because I heard Tiger Woods competed and you know oh, I think it was the Masters. Or the Masters, okay, that. Mm -hmm. So so something like that. Well, some sort of golf thing. Maybe it was the Masters. But I remember the guy asked me like, well, what did you do? what are you doing this weekend or what did you do this weekend or whatever? And, I, and there was like, you know, my weekends at that point were like, I'm going to try to smash Mo on Saturday. I'm trying to smash everybody <laughs> else on Sunday. And like, I'm like, well, what'd you do? He's like, Oh, I, you know, I was watching the golf, just watching golf all weekend. I'm like, are you, you watch golf like on television? You watch like first, I mean, to me playing golf, number one, it's like, no, but slightly even more in the insane category to me would be watching golf. It's like one thing, okay, I understand people want to play, they talk, they drink, they, they're out in the sun. All right, I sort of understand that. It seems dumb to me, but whatever. But watching it on TV, I'm like, <laughs> so to me, it's like immediately I was like, 
I know this guy's more successful than me, all these kind of things. Great for him. But he is not my path to more success because yeah. I just can't hang out with somebody like this. And, I, and to me, it's like a certain things. It's like, it's just not negotiable. There's enough successful people that like jujitsu. And it's funny because my ears have gotten me like more interest from, I remember I met this big uh, apartment broker guy. And I remember was, somebody was like, man, it's really hard to even get an appointment with that guy. And like, whatever, somehow that worked out. And then we started talking. He's like, looks in my ears. He's like, can, can I ask you something? I'm like, what's that? He's like, are you are you a fighter i'm like no nah, but we started talking about jiu-jitsu like, oh my kids do jiu-jitsu and we do like had this long conversation so i'm like okay this this is somebody i can work with because it's like we have this thing in common and, and whatever and we're not talking about golf because to me it's like what i refuse and i think it's an important thing to do is you have to be yourself you can't fake being interested in something that you're not or do whatever people do that and you see that in movies all the time and i think to me it's like you always see it in movies where it never lasts you see it in, in shows like Inventing Anna, where she does this whole thing and then boom, she's in prison. It's like it, it can't last because you're not creating a real sustainable relationship. You are setting yourself up for failure. I mean, failure. take the analogy of marriage again. Yeah. If during the time that you're getting to know each other, you're pretending to be this person that you're not. Yes. Oh, my God. What a disaster yeah. that's going to turn yeah. out to be. You have it's, to be authentic. You do. I mean, because that's marriage is a great, a great analogy for it, because to me, it's like you know, marriage is the ultimate relationship. And, and how many people probably actually do that though? Put up these false fronts of who they really are and they're not that person at all. Yeah, I try, I see, cause I knew when Chantel and I started dating, I knew I was like, hmm, cause I had known her before. So it was like a weird thing. It was a very Harry Met Sally thing that we had ended up in the same, we both were living in Los Angeles when we first met. We both had randomly moved to Austin for very different reasons and lived like, five minutes apart. It was two, and we went to a lot of the same places and had never run into each other. It was very Harry Met Sally. So I was already like, kind of like, mm, this is weird. So I was like, I'm just gonna tell her every bad thing that I've done. I'm gonna present myself in the worst possible light because I don't want there to be any surprise. I, I like, you know, I just was just kind of went down the list of just different things and all that. Cause I'm like, if it scares her off, it scares her off. It was a long list. It was a pretty long list, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but, but I was like, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather do that than like you said, present myself as something that I'm not. And then if this ends up being a serious thing, it's like the truth is going to come out. You know, that's how was, my, my overall point was with any relationship sooner or later, the truth is coming out. So to me, it's like, it's, I, I think it's better to get the truth out right from the get go. I love it. And then see it. if there's some sort of collaboration versus like, I'll just hide the truth. And eventually it'll change. <laughs> Take that in business. And you know what you know what I would uh, equate this to in real estate? I would equate this to doing your due diligence, right? The truth is going to come out on some sort of investment property. Yep. But the the where you're going to find success is when do you find out that truth? Do yep. you find out the truth before you buy the property or after you buy the property, yep. right? And that's kind of the same thing with marriage. Do you find out before you get married or after you get married? Because that can make or break a person. Yeah, no, yeah, I've, I've definitely found out uh, after I bought the property. If you, I went and actually saw a house that I bought about three and a half years ago. I'd never seen the house before until um, last week. And at some point, the tenants who'd moved out, um, I knew that the shed behind the house had somehow caught fire, but I did not know that the exterior of the house itself had also caught fire and it was vital siding. So half the vinyl was like melted off. 
these are things that I should have known years ago. Had I, <laughs> so I did not do my proper due diligence. So I will be uh, I will be selling this property rather quickly, I hope, because uh, it was a little worse than I anticipated it being. So yeah. So yeah, pay me now, pay me later. That's that is the reality. So going back really quick and maybe using one of Charlie Munger's mental models of inversion. Hmm. When thinking about finding great training partners in business, yeah. instead of asking what would be a great training partner in business, let's ask what would be the worst training partner in business. Hmm. Uh, you know, I think that's, um, I'm going to keep using real estate analogies because that's just what I know best. Um, you know, I would say that if you want to do commercial property and you're just talking to residential people, like finding people that are actually like so in jujitsu, it's like, okay, I really want to jujitsu, so I'm talking to as many Taekwondo guys as I can find. It's like, well, okay, but it's probably better if you find jujitsu. So I would say the most important thing is finding people that are actually in the specific business that you want to be in. And depending on what kind of business that is, that can be relatively specific. Um, you know, martial arts, it's like, you know, if somebody's teaching Taekwondo or karate or some of like that, I mean that there's a lot of cool stuff you can learn from that. But if you want to learn jiu-jitsu, you should go to jiu-jitsu school. Um, you know, same thing with like trying to learn boxing from like a local gym versus like a real boxing gym. It's like, you know, the real boxing gym, you're going to have to pay more with your uh, your soul. <laughs> learn yeah. boxing. You know, learning, going to like this place right down the street from me called like nine rounds or whatever. You're not going to learn how to box. You're going to maybe learn how to do punchy punchy and get a little sweat on, but don't think for a minute that you're actually learning boxing. Um, talking to a residential broker about commercial property, they can be like, "Oh yeah, we do everything," but it's like, no, you don't. You do residential and you get thrown a little bit of commercial stuff. So, so I'd say like with with all those things, kind of finding the specific people who do the thing, that would probably be the best type of thing. And I mean, I, I would I would imagine like. Um, you know, with something like Robles, it's like you guys were reaching out to school owners and actual jiu-jitsu people. And, and I think one of the, my guess is that one of the reasons that your business progressed so well is that you were talking to your actual customers directly versus a lot of these sort of companies, like they make a bunch of geese, they sell them to show your role or whomever it might be. And then those people sell them to the consumers versus you guys were kind of cutting out the middleman and, and finding out what do people actually want? Like literally, what do they specifically want? Okay, we'll make you this and we'll get you this. And that I think is, it's kind of crazy when you think about that nobody was doing that, but it's like, that's the basis of customer service. I think that's the recipe for success in any business. Yeah. And it's the equivalent of knowing someone's why, figuring that out when you're selling, yeah. right? That yeah. is the number one thing to do, whether you're trying to speak to a motivated seller in real estate, figure yeah. out why they want to sell that home, right? And then see how you can solve their problem because it's going to help you in your negotiating. Yes. Um, we own a, a local painting business as one of our other businesses. And I always want to figure out why my client is looking to paint. Is it because they want to flip the home or they just, they, they just buy it? And are they uh, starting a family? Mm -hmm. Because it's going to be two different types of problems and I can offer two different types of solutions, yeah. right? Knowing someone's why for sure, I think is the key to success in closing any deal. And when you start trying to figure out what is someone's why, it becomes much less about selling 
and more about figuring out how to solve somebody's problem. But when you do that, you inadvertently sell more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, it's funny you say that, actually, because I was thinking about um, kind of going old school and putting together lists of, of commercial properties. I'm like, I'm just going to go after the owners directly. And I started thinking, I'm like, well, what, what could I offer? And I think with a lot of them, they may want a chunk of money now, but maybe they want to lease the property for a couple of years. And I'm like, for me, that would work great because now I've already got a tenant in place. I already have these things. And so I was just trying to think about like, or maybe they want to cash out, but they want to take payments because they don't want the big tax burden all at once. And, you know, they'd like some income and all that kind of stuff. So I'm thinking about sort of different strategies of what would they be looking for much more than like, oh, is this the property that I want? I mean, because, you know, obviously I, I need to want it, but I, I want to look at it more from how can I solve the problem for somebody or how can I, you know, maybe they're looking to retire, but feel like they can or, you know, whatever it might be, looking at it that way first rather than like, oh, I need to find the good deal type thing. So I, I, hopefully this mentality will help me find that good deal. We'll stay tuned. We'll find out. I love it. As you continue your journey to create your own lineage. Yes, sir. I love it, my brother. It's a great conversation. To re-listen to this episode or to check out our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Also, shout out to Robles, makers of the world's finest custom Jiu-Jitsu apparel. We make custom geese. Yellow Pine Investments makes custom warehouses. Be sure to check them out as well. Check out our boy Steve Fordensky, Jiu-Jitsu on the go. Check out Caleb Callista with the Sneaky Submissions. And if you're in the Austin area, check out Chaparral Moving. They have moving down to a science. I am Mo. That is my brother, Carter. And as always, thank you guys for listening. Take care. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.